Does anybody in this place today know Jesus? <laughs> thank you, Lord. We worship you. We praise you. We thank you. You're the mighty God. It's so much fun to sing those precious songs like Hallelujah. Praise the King. You know, thank you, Jesus. When you get a hold of who the King really is, you just can't help but just praise Him and worship Him all the time, everywhere you go and everything you do. You can tell people about Jesus. Now, before we get started in the service today, does anybody have a testimony? Uh, come up here, Miss Deborah. She's got one. I mean, praise the King. She's got a testimony. This is a fresh one. Amen. That's the kind we love. Well, this morning, a friend of mine called to let me know that his son had a dislocated shoulder and that they had been trying to get it in place at the hospital in the emergency room for several hours. And his, his wife had called him to tell him because he's here working with a job. So he asked me to pray for him. And so I said, well, I know what to do. I'll just call Sharon. So Sharon and I came to agreement, and she had this awesome prayer, and I just agreed to her. See, I get to do the easy stuff. I just go into agreement. Because I know how awesome she can pray. Amen. And I absolutely within, I, I told my friend, I said, it's done. The prayer's already been sent. Five, it was five to seven minutes later, his wife called and said that the arm had gone back in place. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> wow. But, you know, after all, that was just a coincidence, you know. Just Sharon, that was just a coincidence. It wasn't because you prayed, girl. God doesn't do miracles no more. <laughs> oh, goodness. How the enemy has deceived us. I mean, how the enemy has deceived us. Yeah. You want to give one? Oh, telephones? If you've got a cell phone, turn it off. And uh, by the way, I just happened to think, too, when Tom held that up. If, how many of you know what a Bluetooth earpiece is? Did somebody lose one? The last. <laughs> now then, you know the Lord said, "Be truthful." You know, no lying. But uh, uh, about, I guess it's been at least two or three weeks ago. Uh, somebody turned one in, one of those little Bluetooth earpieces that goes in your ear. Somebody obviously lost it out there on the parking lot, and they give it to me, and I keep forgetting to tell people that I found this thing. Because, you know, when they first handed this thing to me, was that yours? Okay, well, I'll bring it to you. Okay. No, next, I will bring it next week. Or Will you be here Tuesday? Or You'll be here Tuesday? Okay, I will bring it. And yeah, we found it out in the parking lot. And about three weeks ago, whatever it was. There's my praise report. Amen. <laughs> praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Yeah, I, I keep forgetting it every Sunday. I'm gonna, I say, I've got to think. In fact, today I told James, I said, James, would you make the announcement? And he forgot it too. So see, that's the way we are. So when I stood up here and just then, and Tom held up that telephone, I thought, hey, that uh, telephone, I gotta make this announcement. We found the Bluetooth earpiece. Now for those of you that are like I am, when they brought that thing in and showed me this thing, and it had this little blue thing on it, and I said, what is that? You know, they said, well, that's a deal that goes on your ear with a telephone. And I said, what's it called? They said, it's a Bluetooth. And I said, a what? A Bluetooth. I ain't never heard of a Bluetooth. You know, so I really, in fact, just the other day, whenever I was ordering some software for the airplane, the guy says, does your computer have a Bluetooth uh, attachment on it? And I said, I don't know if it does or not. 
He said, how old is it? I said, well, it's brand new. He said, oh, well, it'll have it, no problem. So we'll send you the software that works with a Bluetooth. Well, I don't know what a Bluetooth is. You know, I mean, a Bluetooth, if you got one, it's bladed blue. I, can't, I mean, I don't know nothing about this stuff. It's so new. So we get the software and try to put it on, and it don't work. So... Uh, I get Dave, my computer expert in there, you know, and, and he checks. He said, oh, it don't tell me it don't have Bluetooth on it. I said, okay, so now i got to find it where I'm going to find the Bluetooth. So we go down to uh, uh, Best Buy, and for $39, they got this little thing about this long that plugs into a USB port with a little disc. And we put it on there, and man, when we put it on there, that thing says, okay, we found your GPS antenna, we found your weather antenna, we found all this, and you're set up, and you're ready to go flying. I thought, wow, it's amazing what these things can do, these computers. It just, you know, just boggles my imagination. And so it really does just, it, it amazes me, you know, what you can do. And, of course, I think about years ago when I flew for the airlines, I mean, we didn't have nowhere close to the stuff available that we have in the little airplanes today. I mean, today you can be in Timbuktu where there's no weather, no nothing. You can go out and turn on your computer and communicate with a satellite. It tells you exactly what the weather is, tells you what it is over here and over yonder. It's amazing that what you can do today with airplanes and you don't ever have to worry about getting lost anymore you don't have to follow roads anymore you know (laughs) it's just so amazing you know this new technology it makes flying so much fun and i got tickled this morning when i was telling cheryl yesterday we were out flying the new airplane i'm trying to get uh, really comfortable with it you know this big beautiful thing that god has given us and uh, i'm out flying this thing and and of course, she was singing last night, so this morning she said, well, how'd the new airplane work? I said, honey, it flies like a fighter. I said, I love it. And she said, oh, Keith, he would love to fly that. I said, honey, Keith has flown the real fighters. <laughs> I said, he flew F-16s. I said, I get in this 421 and I fly around, then I get in our 150, which is a moped, Dave calls it. I said, if Keith was to go back to a 421, he said, this thing's a moped. <laughs> it's all relative, you know, to what you've been used to flying. So, but I'm having so much fun in this thing. We're just, we're just having so much fun. Uh, and Friday, we go to Lubbock. We're going to fly out there Friday afternoon, take the ministry team. We're going to teach a healing school out there Friday. And then the Friday night, Saturday, rather, we'll teach a healing school. And then Saturday night, we will fly back home. And it's only, you know, 370 miles direct across to Lubbock. So it's only about an hour and a half or hour and 20 minutes. You know, so it's not like it takes a long time anymore. So it's just amazing. You know, yesterday, in fact, Dave and I, we just took off yesterday from uh, Decatur and thought we'd just play a while. So we went up to 9,000, flew down to Cleburne, then flew down to Palestine, landed and had a coat, and flew up to Terrell, flew back over to Cleburne, and flew back. And just play it. <laughs> it's just so much fun whenever you get up there. And yesterday's such a beautiful day. I'm thinking about God's creation as we flew around the Metroplex, and all you can see is city you know, and everything, how beautiful it is to think that God made all of this for us. Is He an awesome God? Awesome God. And He's a God that still does miracles, isn't He, Deborah? When you get a hold of a prayer warrior that can pray, He can put an arm back in place in five seconds. All you got to do is find somebody that can pray in faith. Now, you know, here's, here's a sad thing about people today. So many people are like I was in church 
that I didn't never see God do a miracle in church. I never saw him do a healing. I never saw him do anything. So why pray? You know, if God doesn't show up, why pray? But, you know, when you step over into this world of faith and you begin to see him do the mighty things he does. And after just like this beautiful young lady back here, I prayed for her back a while ago. I mean, I'm telling you. I could not even begin to sit down and tell you how many people I prayed a prayer just like Sharon did for that person with the arm and it went back in place. I could not tell you how many people I prayed for over the telephone with people a thousand miles away and seeing God instantly heal the back. You know, I've seen it happen over and over and over and over. I mean, He is the mighty God. You know, He's the King of kings. He's the Lord of lords. And He loves you. And he wants to do these things for you, but he's a faith God. And then if he says, as you have believed, so shall it be done unto you. In other words, if you don't believe I can do miracles anymore, then you're living in unbelief and I'm not going to do anything for you. But if you believe that I will do what I said I will do, then there's no limitations with you. None. Nothing. You can ask me for anything and I will do it. And I love to serve a God like that, don't you? I mean, I love to serve a God that when all we got to do is walk in obedience to His Word. Just like Matthew six thirty three, a while ago, that song we sing. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. If we would only get a hold of what that really means. To seek Him. To love Him. To worship Him. And to walk in obedience to His Word. No sin in our life. Walk holy before the king. Then you can call you a prayer warrior and get anything done, can't you, Deborah? Isn't it wonderful to see a God that answers prayer like that? Well, let me tell you, I will have to say that, sure. And she's developed great faith. You know, I mean, great faith. We see answers to prayer. But, of course, she's been miraculously healed of so many things. And so when you have, just like Dave back there and Sharon and all of you, that have received these mighty, glorious things from God, after you've seen him do these things for you. I mean, there, young lady, there's another back case. Sharon, you know of her, do you? Sharon, sitting right there, this beautiful lady sitting right there with her hand up. Three years ago, she came to me. She had been in back pain for tw- 30 years. 27 years. She'd been, or 24 years, we've been going to a doctor or chiropractor or something. Several times a week, she'd been in pain all those years. Oh, she said, I've been prayed for a hundred times and nothing's ever happened. But I told her, I said, well, if you've been prayed for a hundred times, nothing happened, then you didn't repent of your sin. So she repented of her sin. Then I said, what scripture did you use to ask God to heal you? She said, we didn't use one. I said, so you see what you got? Nothing. So we went to the Word. She repented. We went to the Word. We used the Word. And I prayed for her and God healed her back. Right there, that day. After all those years. And then over the next few weeks, Sharon began to have faith for everything else. And then the arm, the brain tumors that she had had went away. You know, the arm that wouldn't work started working normal. And the hip she had that was giving her troubles started working. And today, she's no longer a basket case. She's a beautiful woman praising God. <laughs> I love to call you the basket case, Sharon. Because you were a basket case. I mean, you know, you were all to pieces. In this body that God had given you to live in. Through unbelief and sin, you had almost wiped this thing out. But now then, she's walking obedience to the Word. 
In fact, I'd, I would put her to the test every once in a while. You know, when she'd come in after a month or two or three or whatever, I'd walk up to her and touch her. And I'd say, Sharon, you got into unbelief or any kind of sin this week? No, absolutely not. She said, I ain't sinning no more. I saw what it done to me after all those years. She said, I ain't going there no more. And she hasn't. She walks holy in obedience to the Word. And then when her and another holy and obedient young lady like Deborah get together and pray, what did the king say two of us could ask for? See, you see, he just done it for those two ladies, right? He's no respecter of persons. He doesn't care whether you're a man or woman today. All he wants is you to believe him, walking in obedience to his Word. And then he'll reach down and touch another person that may not be there. It may not be there in that secret place of the Most High God, but He'll take your prayers and He'll do it for them. And I love to serve a God that has that kind of mercy, don't you? Wow. Anybody else have another testimony before we go? Oh, praise the Lord. Come on. Come on up here. Come up here. What do you want to say? Here. Oh, let me bring a mic back there. If you if you got something to say, you got, we got to hear what you got to say. Yes, I, I came in in pretty bad shape and right away Thurman prayed for my back and I'm not new to healing. I've been walking, to my knowledge, without sin, and I've been healed of cancer, heart problems, and my upper back was healed. But at this new thing, I don't know where it came from, so that's when I came here to visit with Thurman, and I appreciate it. Also, don't forget the little things. Yesterday, our doorknob broke and would not open, period. My brother was there trying and trying. I tried. And I said, Lord, open this door. Open this door for us, please. And he did. Amen. And that is the truth. Absolute truth. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Oh, now then, before we get into, before we get into the message today, I want to tell you, too, I brought a, copy, a couple of copies of the voter's guide up here. I want you to look at those. And if you don't have time to spend with these two voter's guides that are here, get the website. Go to the website, and you can look at all that on the website uh, the next few days. But you want to be sure that you vote for the right people. You know, now I know the news media and the Democrats have made it public that they want the Christians to stay away from the polls this year. Really? I mean, that was over the news. In fact, I believe it was Rosemary that told me that, that they have made it public. They want these radical Christians to stay away from the polls. I can only imagine why, can't you? Yes, so, but we're not going to stay away from the polls. We're going to go vote. You know, we're going to vote for the people of our choice. It is a choice you have, so read those things. See who you want to vote for. Make sure they believe like you do. And make sure they're willing to stand on God's mighty word, at least the best you can. And then go vote for them. Last year, I understand that only about half of the Christians voted at the last deal. So we should do that. You got something you'll say, Ty? Oh, okay. We're not through here. Ty's got something he wants to say. Praise the King. He's always got good things going on in his life. Yes, yes. And, you know, I, I want all of you to think now and just, just for a moment, just ask the Holy Spirit to show you the way He used you this week. Because I can tell you right now, every Christian in here is asking Jesus to use Him. Yes, Lord. He's using you. And you may not even be aware of it. And if you'll just sit still for a moment, the Holy Spirit will will reveal to you what you've done. You just ask Him, Daddy, what did I do this week for you? And He'll show you. 
I had I had a, <laughs> all kinds of things happen this week, but I had one of the most awesome miracles. I had a, a man that I prayed for at airport earlier in the week, and the Lord healed him. And I had a man that called me from Baltimore, Maryland, that I prayed with, and Jesus healed him. I had, I guess, half a dozen people this week that the Lord used me to, to minister to. But the greatest miracle of all happened Thursday. In 1990, I had had made my business an idol, and I was consumed with my business, my ranch, and with my veterinary hospital, and I didn't have much time for the Lord. And a man walked up to me one day, and he walked past me and turned around, walked back to me, put his hand in my chest and said, the Lord just talked to me. And he told me he's tired of playing games with you, Ty. He said, either bow down before me and I'll use you, or I'm gonna I'm going to take you home. Turned around, walked back down, sat down at this church. And it had a real impact upon me. And this man was an awesome man of God. And for the next couple of months, every morning I would go at about 6 o'clock up to this church and I would pray and worship the Lord before I'd go to work. And this man would would come up and lay hands on me because every day when I was there, I was just crying as the Holy Spirit began showing me what, where I had gone and what had happened and, and the different people that I had hurt and my wife and my children. And as he showed them to me, all I could do was cry. And as I was crying, this this preacher would come up and lay hands on me, and and he'd pray for me. He'd he'd walk on off. But this went on for a couple of months, every morning, seven days a week. Well, this preacher decided he was going to to become an evangelist, and because he loved telling people about the Lord, but he wanted he wanted to go out and. Into the into the world and preach, and so he bought rented a big tent there in Rockwall, and had a tent meeting. And very few people came. And he went to another place and did the same, and very few people came. And so he, he you know, I don't know what all was going on, but I'm sure he was crying out, "Lord, Lord, what's going on here? What, what what's going on? I left my job." I stopped working for you. I, 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 what, what's going on here, Lord? And this man became discouraged. And he left, he left his, his family. And I knew this man very well. And for the last ten years now, since 19... 91, I've been praying for this man. Well, Thursday morning, Thursday afternoon, I was, I was out and I just got through praying for some people on the phone. And I, I, I said, i got to get out and do something. I've been on the phone all day long. I said, i got to go out and, and do something today. So I'd gone down and I got my spray washer, got the engine started, and, got it and was, was washing my four-wheeler off 
And my phone rang. I said, oh, no. So I'm not talking to anybody else. I'm talked out. I'm there. The Holy Spirit said, answer the phone. No, I'm going to worship my four-wheeler. And it kept ringing. So finally I reached in there. I guess it's probably on the last ring. And I answered the phone. And it was this man calling from Brownsville, Texas. And he said, Ty? I said, yes, what are you doing? I said, well, believe it or not, I'm praising the Lord and I'm washing my four-wheeler. He said, he said well, he said, I don't know why I called you. I, I, I'm, I'm, I need to go. I said, no, you don't either. I said, wait a minute. Where are you? And he told me, and I said, well, what are you doing? And he told me, and I said, well, what is the Lord doing in your life? And he said, nothing. I, I don't go there anymore. So he, you know, he left me. And to make a long story short, over the next 30 minutes, this man broke down and began crying like a little boy and asked Jesus to take back over his life. The same thing that God had done through this man with me in 1990, he allowed me to Return the favor. Amen. And I began crying like a little baby. So here were two grown men, both of us cowboys, just crying like a couple of little babies where we couldn't talk to each other hardly. Tears of joy. Tears of joy from me. Tears of sorrow from this man. We have no idea how much power our words have. Because as sons and daughters of God, when you say things out loud, they go into the heavens. And so all these years, when I prayed for this man, whenever the Holy Spirit brought him to my heart, they, they weren't following him to death ears. So I just want to praise God and give Him all the glory and the honor. And I want every one of you to realize as, as children... Of the Lord. When you ask Jesus to use you, when you start crying out, Daddy, use me. He is. He is. In 1997, I'm one little thing, I'll sit down. I was crying out to the Lord, Lord, why aren't you using me more? You've given me this desire to tell people about you, and here I am plowing a field on a tractor. I've been plowing for maybe 10 hours. And I just began crying, saying, Daddy, why did you give me this desire? We had a little church, and I was the associate pastor at this little church. And this little church wasn't growing. I said, Lord, why? Why? What is going on here? And I was crying. And I'd just I'd plow half an hour, turn around, plow back half an hour, just crying. I said, Lord. Finally, the Lord said, Hebrews 10.35. I know what Hebrews 10.35 was. I didn't have a Bible with me. So I plowed a little bit longer. And I said, i got to go home and see what that is. So I stopped the tractor, let it cool down, drove 30 minutes back to the house, find out what in the world is in Hebrews 10.35. It says, your confidence has great reward. Daddy says, I'm proud of you. When you're asking me to use you, I'm proud. And I'm proud that you want me to use you. But you have need of endurance. 
You had need of endurance. You need to understand you have to go through trials. And when you get beat up in a trial and you fall down and you think, gosh, I don't like doing this. But you get back up and you keep going. Daddy, use me. Use me. He'll start using each one of you in this room. Every day, all you got to do is ask Daddy to prepare your heart. The preparation of a man's heart, of a woman's heart, belongs to you. And then the words that come from your mouth will be the Lord's as He speaks through you. All you have to do each morning is prepare your heart and start asking Him to show you at the end of the day, Lord, where did you use me? You're going to be amazed how many times the Holy Spirit brought somebody up to you and you just stopped and said a little prayer for them. Or somebody came by you and you actually talked to them. You'll be amazed. And Daddy says, if you're, if you're faithful with the little things, then I'll give you more. Amen. He wants to use every one of you out there. Amen. You just got to ask Him. You just got to humble yourself like a little child and say, Daddy, use me. Use me, Daddy. And show me how you are using me. And He will. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Thank Amen. you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Praise Amen. the King. Wow. Wow. Thank you, Lord. Will He ever. And He will put you to the test. I will say. You know. Whoever knows what today holds for each one of you for your test. You know, you don't like those tests. I don't. I didn't. Still don't. But you're going to go through them. You know, because he's training you. You know, I mean, of course, as all of you know, I've been through some tests. I think her ultimate, you know, uh, I mean, you just, I mean, I almost, I haven't quite been there where Job was yet, but I've been close. You know, so I've definitely been through some trials and tests. But as I have passed those tests, little did I know as I'm going through those trials and tests of death and destruction and, and standing for Caitlin and Kelly and all those miracles and all those other those five years before that of healing schools I'd taught and the hundreds and hundreds of people I'd seen God heal and everything else. Little did I know that through all those trials and tests, he was going to bring me to a point with a ministry that was going to be international. You know, here we got a few people in church on Sunday, but yet we're sending out 10,000 CDs and DVDs a week. You know, 10,000 plus. And we're sending out stuff to, I mean, the, the boxes are getting bigger every week that I'm carrying to the post office that's going to countries all over the world. Our postage bills are going up. All the time, you know, where we're sending this stuff. You know, it's not uncommon now, Jenny, to say, you know, I've sent stuff to five different countries today. You know, it's amazing what God is doing. I had no idea what he was going to do through all these trials and tests. But, hey, now then I'm understanding his way. I understand how a little bit about how he works. So now then, whenever I come into one of these tremendous trials and tests, I can do exactly what he told me. Consider it pure joy, because I know He's building my faith. You know, He's building me to do something for Him. And without these trials and tests, you can't get there. You can't get there. I think about, and some of you, 
you know, I mean, I, I think about, of course, Keith, he knows he's an airline pilot, just like I used to be years ago. But when you haven't flown for almost 40 years, almost 40 years, some of you are not that old, but I quit flying almost 40 years ago. And then all of a sudden God put me back in this in such a short period of time. I feel today just as comfortable in that 421 as I landed yesterday as I used to in a DC-8 when we landed those things 40 years ago when I was a young man. But hey, I never dreamed God would bring me back to that first love. Of course, you know, when I was a little kid, I used to build model airplanes. I mean, I used to spend all the money I had and I used to build little tiny model airplanes. And, you know, I had nobody to teach me how to fly. So I'd build a little model airplane and had a little thing called a U-line on it. You know, you hook it up and I had no idea how to fly. Well, so I'd, I'd, you know, read the instructions, but I didn't understand the instructions. That's kind of the way we are with the Word of God. We read the instructions, but we don't get it. We don't have somebody to train us. So when it says, pull up on the stick, and as you do, it's got the two lines, it'll pull up on the elevator so it'll go up. Okay, so I'd get somebody to hold it. I'd get it running. I'd get out here in a circle, and I said, okay, turn it loose. Well, they'd turn it loose, and, of course, I'd pull up, and it'd go, crash. <laughs> and I'd tear up my airplane. I tried and tried and tried, and it'll tell how many I built and how many I crashed. And I thought, I don't understand this. It says pull up, and it'll, but I said it comes up and crashes. Finally, I run into a man that had a little experience. He said, no, Thurman, you don't pull up like you're doing like this. He said, you hold the line straight, get them the same tightness, and then you just pick your arm up a little. And that will just make a tiny change so the airplane will lift off and fly up. And then you hold it level and it'll go around. If you wanted to go up, you raise your whole arm. You don't do this. He said, well, you do this. That's how you make a loop. I said, oh, okay. So I get out there. Now, see, I got the instructions, but they don't work for me. It's kind of the way the Word of God is. We read the instructions, but they don't work for us. You've got to have somebody to explain to you why and how the Word of God works. So after I got this guy that told me how, I'll never forget that first day. I put that arm out straight, and he turned that airplane loose, and I went like this, and it just went round in a circle. I, I made my first circle all the way around. I thought, wow, this is awesome. And then I raised my arm up a little, and man, it stayed right at the end of my It would come down a little, it would come down. And I, fi- I landed it and didn't crash it. I had... A man that had been there and studied and had demonstrated it and knew how it worked. And if I hadn't had that man teach that to me that day, I would probably never learn how to fly a model airplane. Because I read the instructions, pull back, pull up, and it goes up. But it didn't say go up and do a loop and crash. <laughs> they, they, they think you know more than that. That's just like us. They say, oh, God says, just ask him anything and he'll do it. So you do it and nothing happens. But somebody didn't tell you, you've got to repent of sin first. Nobody tells you that God doesn't hear the prayer of a sinner. You say, well, I'm not a sinner. I'm his child. Oh, yeah, you can be his child and be a sinner. Guarantee you can. But until, when you get a hold of the fact of how his word works... Then, when you start walking in holiness and obedience and purity, like the Word says, 
and you've got every sin repented of, then when you find somebody that can pray the prayer of faith for you. How many times have we, I've put it back on me, how many times have I prayed a prayer for someone and didn't see anything happen, but yet they walk right across the room and get somebody that's really walking in faith and they pray for them and it happens? What's the difference? The difference is that person's walking in a different place with God. That's just like I've read some of the stories about Smith Wigglesworth that say hundreds of people would pray for somebody. And they could take him up to Smith Wigglesworth and he'd kick the devil out of them and pray for him and they'd get instantly healed just like that. But somebody says, what's the longest prayer you ever prayed, Smith? And he said, oh, maybe 30 minutes. You mean that's the longest prayer you ever prayed in your life, 30 minutes? He said, yes, but I never go more than 30 minutes without praying. Now, how many of us meet that criteria? You know, most of us do not. And so that's why we don't spend enough time with God. And so that's why he does not answer our prayer. You've got to spend time with him. Now then, let's go to 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 3. I want to read a little bit here about encouragement to be faithful. I want to encourage you to be faithful. Paul's talking to Timothy here in 2 Timothy 1, verse 3. He said, Timothy, I thank God for you. He is the God I serve with a clear conscience. Now, see, there's a secret right there. There's one of them little nuggets. I'm reading out the NLT. I serve God with a clear conscience. You've got to serve Him with a clear conscience. In other words, the conscience, if the Holy Spirit, when you start to pray, if there's something condemns you, or your heart condemns you of some kind of sin, you need to get that repented of because you're not serving God with a clear conscience. And so He's not going to answer that prayer. If your heart condemns you when you pray, you're not serving the Lord with a clear conscience. So Paul says, I serve God with a clear conscience, just as my ancestor did. And night and day, I constantly remember you in my prayers. So how often is Paul praying? Night and day. So how often should we be praying? Night and day. I mean, you should be praying and talking to God on a regular basis. I mean, it's amazing how you can carry on a conversation with God sitting in a restaurant with eating and talking with some friends. You can't be doing that. You know, it's amazing. You can be sitting in church. I remember one, talking about how God can interrupt your whole day in church. I'm sitting on the front row in church, in a Baptist church, and all of a sudden a preacher's up there preaching, a Baptist preacher, and I'm sitting right down there on the front row, and the Lord says, Martha. I stop a minute, I lose my total concentration of what that preacher's talking about when God says something. Just one word. And I'm trying to think who Martha is. I said, Lord, I don't know a Martha. And so finally, okay, so I give up and I start listening to him again. Just about the time I get interested in his message again, the Lord says, Martha. So I lose my total concentration with him again. And I'm thinking, God, you're sure messing up this message today. I'm trying to get what this guy's saying. You're talking to me, but you're only telling me one little word, Martha. So I try again to think about what, I don't know nobody by the name of Martha. So I finally, after a few minutes, you know, I go back and I'm listening again. And the third time, the same thing happens. 
I'm serving God with a clear conscience. I've been praying and I'm worshiping Him. And He speaks to me three times during that message in that little Baptist church and speaks the name Martha. That's all He said was Martha. And finally, the third time, I said, Lord, that's it. I don't know who Martha Lord, I told you I don't know who no Martha is. i got to have more information, Lord. I don't know Martha. I don't know nobody named Martha. But, Lord, you're going to have to give me this information. So, all of a sudden, the pastor closes the service. He said, now, before we close today, I want you all to pray for my sister. She's losing her kidneys, and her name is Martha Scott. Okay, I got it now. Lord, now I got it. I know what I'm supposed to do. Although I just had this one word. So after everybody left, this is a Baptist church. You know, this is not a church you jump up and say, Hey, the Lord just gave me a word and said He wants to heal Martha Scott. All we got to do is pray. You don't do that in a Baptist church. They all, unfortunately, don't believe, most of them don't believe that God does miracles no more. You know, that's unfortunate. But we've been deceived by the wrong doctrine, not in just the Baptist church, but in lots of churches. I mean, there's Pentecostal churches out there don't believe God does miracles anymore. And that's a sad thing. In fact, this little lady that was here the other day, 80-something years old, she's, I mean, she's one of them Pentecostal holy rollers. I mean, she's been in that all of her life. And when she heard about me 10 years ago, she came to a healing school over in a Baptist church where I was teaching healing. And she come over there and seen two or three people get healed. And she goes back and she gets right in the face of her Pentecostal preacher and says, You need to be ashamed of yourself. He said, what's wrong? He said, there's a Baptist deacon over in a Baptist church getting more people healed than we are. And we're supposed to be Pentecostal holy rollers. She said, there's something wrong when a Baptist deacon gets more people healed than a Pentecostal church does. She said, you need to repent. <laughs> she was here this last week. She was here. I mean, I love that little lady. She's just a precious little lady. But she, and she's brought her preacher a couple of times. <laughs> but she said, we now got a brand new one. The one we had, he's leaving and a new one's coming in. And she said, he's one of those old-timey Pentecostals. She said, I know we're going to see miracles start happening in our church again. Praise God. See, when you start listening to God and you serve Him with a clean, clear conscience, He'll start talking to you. And when He talks to you and tells you to do things, He'll use you. Like Ty said a while ago, all you got to do is say, Lord, use me today for your glory. And he said, oh, that's what I've been waiting for you to say. Now then, get out of the way and let me do something. But anyway, after everybody left that day, I went back and told him. You know, I said, you know, the Lord spoke to me and told me to tell you to do this. And you'll have your sister call the elders of the church and pray over him. Pray over her and anoint her with all the prayer of faith will heal your sister. And she won't have any problem with her kidneys. And he said, well, Thurman, I know that's scriptural. I saw that done one time in my dad's Baptist church. A woman had breast cancer. And she was given the diagnosis with breast cancer and said she was going to die. And she came up to my pastor, her, his dad, the deep, uh, Baptist uh, preacher, and said, Jesus made me a promise in James 5, 14, 15. And said, I don't want to die yet. I'm too young. He promises to heal me. And he promises to forgive my sins if I call the elders and ask them to pray over me. She said, I know we never do this in this church. But she said, I want you to get the deacons together. I want that done for me. And I'm going to believe with all my heart God's going to heal me. said, we did. And he did. And he said, that bottle of anointing all set on the uh, altar 
for years and nobody ever used it again. You know why? You know why they never used it again? Because the man standing here don't ever preach that God will do those kind of things. That's why people don't use God's Word. Because if you're ashamed of His Word, He won't show up in your church. He won't show up. You gotta, you gotta teach it. He's a healer. You know, that's just like, I believe it was, was it Bob Shadows, the one that raised the guy from the dead? Was he the one? Yeah. Bob Shadows was a, he was a good friend of Ty's, and he was a Baptist preacher. And he went to God and said, God, I don't understand when I read this book, you suppose it are the miracle working mighty God, and we never see you do nothing. What's wrong? And he spoke to Bob and said, Bob, because you don't preach on that miracle working God. You know, you don't teach it. He said, you teach it and I'll do it. He said, Lord, this says in here, you even raise them from the dead. He said, yes, and you teach them. I'll do that. And he said, I'll do it for you. So Sunday, he preaches. And he, Ty knows this story well. He knows he, he preached that God can raise the dead, you know. I mean, he can heal the sick. He can do all these things on Sunday. Well, on Monday morning, he went away Sunday feeling good that he'd done what God says. But he had no idea the test he was going to be put to so quick. Monday, a lady called and said, Brother Bob, we got a problem down at the hospital. We need you to come down here. He said, what's wrong? He said, it's John. I said, well, what's wrong? Is he sick? He said, no, he died this morning. <laughs> so what do you want me to do? She said, I want you to come down here and raise him from the dead. Oh, in agony and pain. He, he gets down to the hospital and he said, I agonize on the way. Oh, God, Lord, please. Oh, Lord. And he said, I walked in the hospital and one of the grandchildren come running over there. And Brother Bob, praise God. Here, Thank you that you're here to raise my granddaddy from the dead. He said, son, be quiet, please. <laughs> you talk about being put to the test. He said, I walk into that room, the doctor's sitting there. Walk in, and he says, she won't let me do anything until you get her and pray for him. Is, is he really dead? He said, very dead. He's been dead for a while. Bob says, I get over there and I get down on my knees. And he said, if I was ever sweating drops of blood, I was sweating drops of blood. Oh, God, Lord, if you don't show up, ain't nothing going to happen here. He said, I got my eyes closed, reached up, laid my hand, said, oh, God, please, Father, in Jesus' name, raise him from the dead. And said, everybody in the room screamed. John opened his eyes. And that's totally set Bob Shadow's own fire for Jesus. Let me tell you, you saw God raise a man from the dead. Didn't he, Ty? Yes, he did. Let me tell you, you know why that most of us are afraid to preach it? Because we're afraid he'll put us to the test the next day or two or three. Having to pray the prayer of faith for someone to see him raise them from the dead or to heal them. You teach Jesus as a healer, people are going to come to you to be prayed for for healing. And if nothing happens, they're going to say, well, it didn't work. But when they come over here and we pray for them and they get healed, and man, many of them do. Many of them get healed. We see God do all kinds of miracles. In fact, I think about these two ladies over here in the wheelchairs. And I think about 
the, the very first weekend after Cheryl and I got married, we'd been married one week to the day, and we went out to New Mexico, and there was a woman in a wheelchair, and Cheryl came up beside me, and we were going to pray for this woman had been in a wheelchair for eight years. Cheryl was standing right by my side, and I got that woman up, prayed for her, got that woman up out of that wheelchair, and within about 15 minutes of working with her, that woman was walking all over that church totally healed. Now, let me tell you, the God we serve is the God of miracles. He is a God that's fighting the battle for you, but it's not easy. It's tough. You've got to stand your ground, as we're going to see here today. You know, God will put you to the test. But let me tell you, the Jesus you and me serve, He is the miracle worker. And I know He must have a real sense of humor with us, His children, because most of us are like I was most of my life. I had no faith. No faith. Ty knows. He was there, too. You know, he had no faith. I mean, but now now we're, we're getting a little of it anyway, aren't we, now, Ty? We're getting where, praise God, we can pray and believe and see him do great and wonderful things. And I love it. I mean, when I call Ty or he calls me, I mean, it's, we, we see God do things every week. Not just one or two. Usually like three or four, five or six things. You know, but that's the God we serve. We got those kind of praise reports. It's like these two lovely ladies over here. Uh, Deborah and Sharon, man, when they prayed the prayer of faith, and five minutes later, the arm's already gone back in place, you know. Isn't that wonderful? Sure it is. But God, no respect to a person. When we serve the king with a clear, clean conscience, when there's no condemnation, we know we have ever sinned repented of. We know we're walking in obedience to his word. And we've been in prayer night and day. We're talking to the king. We're bringing glory and honor to his name. When you do that, he will do this. Then he says, I long to see you again, for I remember your tears as we parted. And I will be filled with joy when we are together again. Now, when you really love someone, you know, you hate to be parted. I think about <laughs> Dave. You know, Dave and the have been married several years and they've never spent a night apart. Isn't that amazing? Never spent a night apart. I mean, it wasn't quite that, I wasn't quite that fortunate. I got married, had been married just a few months, and Uncle Sam called me. And let me tell you, I spent the next seven months apart. You know, I got to go to another place in the world. And then, uh, uh, you know, when, when there's a world between you. Did you know that, let's see, when was that, 1961? That's been a while back, hasn't it? But in 1961, when I went to Vietnam... There was no telephones that you could call home. You couldn't call home. There was no such thing as cell phones. You could hardly find a phone. In fact, I spent seven months over there, and the only thing, only way I could communicate with anybody back at home was a letter. And that'd take a week or two for a letter to get back and forth. So I spent seven months over there with no communication at all. In fact, I spent two years over there without any kind of communication with mom and dad except a letter. And I was over there in Vietnam. My dad was in agony. My dad, he, for some strange reason, dad was so afraid I was going to be killed in Vietnam. I mean, he was in agony. He kept thinking, mother told me when I got back, said, you have no idea how your dad worried and prayed for you while you were gone. Well, I can't think of anything 
rather, I'd rather have than my dad praying for me. Can you? Absolutely. But, you know, sometimes God allows us to be put to a test like that to get our parents on their, on their knees for us. You know, if you have no concern, if you live down the street and you live in a nice house and you've got plenty of money and your grandkids are all in good shape, you don't have to pray near as often. But when there's a problem, see, just like Sharon and Deborah this morning, they wouldn't have prayed for that person if there hadn't been a need, right? But there was a need. So they prayed with a clear conscience. Now then, it says here, I know that you sincerely trust the Lord, for you have the faith of your mother Eunice and your grandmother Lois. Now then, this is something that we don't do very good with our children today. Our children, as they grow up, how many of your children, if somebody were to say, who is the greatest person of faith you ever met? And they immediately turn and say, my mother. My daddy, my grandpa, he is the greatest man of faith by far I ever seen. How many of us have raised our children like that? So when they look at us, they say, my, my mama or my grandmother, she was a woman of faith. When she prayed, things came down. God answered. He opened the doors. I could be laying home at sick. And Mama could pray over me a couple of times and I got to feeling better. But when Grandmama walked in, she pounded on the side of the bed and said, You devil of hell, get out of my grandbaby now in the name of Jesus. And I got up and run outside and played and I was totally healed. How would you like to be raised up in a home with a grandmother and a mother with that kind of faith? Well, every one of us as children of God should be raised up in a home like that. You should have that kind of faith. You should not be raised up in a home that's living in sin. You should be raised up in a home that has a mother and a grandmother, and not only a mother and a grandmother, but a daddy and a granddaddy. I don't know where these two were here. I don't understand the circumstances here. But there was no father and no grandfather spoken of here. And again, this may say something for you ladies. There might have been a father and a grandfather. But they might have been so busy out there, like Ty said a while ago. He had made his work and his, and his jobs his God. Now, how many daddies and granddaddies do that? Far too many. So, he couldn't have been known as a man of faith back in that day. Uh, God sent a messenger to speak to him and say, Either you straighten your act up or your life's over. Isn't that amazing? But the Word of God... Somebody said, God would never do that to me. Well, let me tell you, he said in his word in John 15 too, if you don't produce fruit for the kingdom of God, he will cut you off. You know that? If you do not produce fruit for the kingdom of God, he will cut you off. So, I think about here what Paul's talking about to this woman. It may be that the mother and the grandmother had time to stay home and study God's Word. And because of that kind of faith that they, they obtained by being in the Word of God, going to church, going to the synagogue, they had became great women of faith. Great women of faith. And what did that do? It passed on to the son and the grandson. You know that when you pray in faith, or when you or the mother or the father, or, and I'd hope it would be the father and the grandfather, but so much of the time, 
the men are so busy doing everything out in the world, they ain't got time to spend time with God. You know, whenever your children come in and say, Oh, Granddaddy, what are you doing? Shh, son, be quiet a few minutes. I'm in a secret place with the Most High God. I'm reading and studying His Word. Come up here and get up my lap. Let me put my arm around you. Let's, get, let's let God talk to us out of His Word as I read it out loud to you and me. Let's let Him talk to us. Hey, I can't think of a better way to go in and be with, with Daddy. And Daddy's in the Word. Can you? He's in the Word. He's getting there. And God's talking to him and sharing things. And when you walk there, your children, they will see God do great and awesome things in your life. They'll see answers to prayer. They'll see miracles. They'll see healings. They'll see God send angels to show up to do great things. They'll see you produce all kinds of great and mighty things. And somebody says, who is your idol? Well, said it's Jesus, number one, but number two, it's my daddy or my granddaddy. Why is your granddaddy your idol? Because he walks with God. And when he prays for me, things happen, not next week, right now. I mean, I can be feeling awful. And granddaddy walks in and he says, you know, the Lord spoke to me and told me to come over to your house. He said you wasn't feeling too well. He told me to come over here and pray for you so he could heal you. And you walk in and lay your hands on them and rebuke that devil and pray the prayer of faith for your grandbabies and they get healed. Did you know if you're walking that close with God, he will talk to you? You know, the Lord we serve, he talks to us. If you're walking in obedience to His Word, you'll hear His voice. He'll tell you things. But if you're too busy with the world, He won't. But if you're obedient to serve Him, He will speak to you. He definitely talks to us. He's a great and mighty and awesome God. Somebody said, well, I've never heard His voice. Well, let me tell you, I had never heard it either. And then I got in His Word and spent ten years with Him, night and day. And then I did hear Him. And I still hear Him. Somebody said, I ain't got that kind of time. Okay, well, I hope it don't take you as long as it did me. Maybe I was a tough case. Maybe I was like Ty. <laughs> he was a tough case too, wasn't you, Ty? He had to get to the point where you said, son, you straighten your act up, I'm taking you out. That got our attention, don't it? Yes, it does. It gets our attention. But, Lord, we ain't ready to go home yet. He said, okay, then start, get out there and start producing fruit for my kingdom. And if you will, I'll bless your socks off. Now, wait a minute. I like that. I'll bless you and I'll bless your children. I'll bless your wife. I'll bless your grandchildren. I'll bless everything if you will be obedient to serve me. Well, now, hey, that's a good dividend to reap, to, to walk up, walk with God. But he says... This great and awesome faith that your grandmother and your mother had. This is why I remind you to fan in the flames the spiritual gifts God gave you when I laid my hands on you. Now, how do you get these spiritual gifts? You find you a man or a woman of God. I mean, that's on fire for the king. You have them lay their hands on you and speak these great and mighty gifts of healing and of everything, all nine of the gifts of miracles and faith, you lay your hands on them and speak those gifts 
into existence, but you make sure they're working in your life first. You can't give them something you don't have. So if you're walking in that power with God, you've spent your time. You've been in the Word with the King. You're serving Him. You're seeing Him do things. Just like somebody say, Thurman, who do you go hear? Do you get any training from anybody? I said, oh yeah. I, I listen to a lot of different preachers. Well, what determines what, whether you listen to them? Well, number one, are they getting anybody saved? If they haven't saved anybody, I remember one year we had, I forget how many thousand churches was in the Southern Baptist Convention. But we had a report every year from those churches how many salvations they came out of those churches. Some of them had a lot of salvations. But there was, I forget how many, oh, it was a bunch of Southern Baptist churches that in one whole year, they didn't have not one single conversion of faith. Now, let me tell you, if I see a report like that, and you're the pastor of a church, and you've not led anybody to Jesus in the last year, you don't have anything I want. You don't have anything I want. Because if you're not getting at least a few people saved on a regular basis, then I don't want what you got. And then you say, well, I want to look too, and I want to see how, much, how many people have they got healed in their church. We didn't even publish that in the Southern Baptist Convention. There was no such thing. In all the thousands of churches we had, there was no healings that were posted. So what have they got that I want? Nothing. Nothing. I mean, if I can't get somebody healed once in a while, I must be serving the wrong God. I mean, the God I serve is a miracle worker. I mean, He's a healer, isn't He, Michael? He's a worker. He's a healer. He, I, mean, you get, I mean, you get people to repent of their sins. You start praying for people in faith. You can't not have things just like Ty. He comes up here nearly every week from three to a dozen miracles of healing or, or deliverance or something. I mean, that's, that's where we're supposed to be walking, isn't it? We're supposed to see God do things. And if you're doing something in faith, He will be doing things in your life. If He's not, then you're the problem, not Him. You are the problem, not God. Just like Sharon and all the things she gets done now, her and Deborah, when they pray together and agree together, these two women are great women of faith. Well, we got lots of women like that. i just pointing these two out. But we got lots of women of faith like that in this church that pray for people and get mighty things done. But what is the difference now in the last year or two or three in these two ladies' life than it was five or ten years ago? They didn't know these things. You know, they were both sick and afflicted and beat up on. Really didn't know how to get their prayers answered. But now they've learned God's ways. And they've learned how to develop that great faith. So now when they pray, it's done. I mean, I got so tickled this year on the other day. talked about her faith. When she come up here eight months ago or ten months ago, whatever it was, that I've been to the dentist and he says, i got two crowns and root canals i got to have. But I said, that devil ain't getting no more of my money. She said, I ain't going to do no crown root canal with me. He said, I'm going to my church. My pastor's going to agree with prayer and me, and God's going to heal my teeth. I guarantee, because he made me the promises. So she comes over here. Says, I got two teeth. The doctor says, got to have root canals and crowns, but I ain't going to do that. So you pray for me, and I know God's going to give me good teeth. So we prayed the prayer of faith. She said, it's done. That's it. Done. Sealed. Done. Walked off. I mean, does she even think about it the next six months? Nope. I mean, don't mention teeth. She knows it's done. 
Next time she goes in, six months later for a uh, cleaning of her teeth, they clean the teeth, and the guy says, well, or lady, whatever, says, uh, let's do the x-rays again, and let's do those root canals and crowns. She said, oh, I don't have them. I, my teeth perfect. No, no, no. Teeth that have root canals, need root canals and crowns, don't change. They just get worse. Oh, no, she said, mine got well. When the lady says, or man, what it was, says, well, let's do the x-ray. She said, I ain't spending that money. I ain't spending no money to have my teeth x-rayed. I don't need it. They said, well, we'll do the x-rays for free. She said, oh, okay. So they'd done the x-rays and come back in a few minutes, and to their dismay, they could not believe she did not need a root canal or a crown on either one of those two teeth. See, that was her faith that healed those two teeth. Now, see, when you get that kind of faith, who do you want praying for you? Hey, there's one right there. I'd let pray for me. I'd let that woman right there pray for me. You know, and every once in a while at the minister center, she comes in. I say, shake my hand, Sharon. She says, what do you do? I said, I'm imparting some of your power to me. <laughs> shake, I want to recharge, Tom. You better shake her hand once in a while, too. You need some of that power, too, right? Amen. Praise God. I mean, see, how did, how did Paul say that these gifts were passed on to Timothy? By the laying on of hands. So, you know, you, you'll be amazed at things that can transfer when you lay hands on people. And I've warned you all before here, if you're not walking where you're supposed to be, be careful whose hands you shake. Because you can have a demon transfer. In fact, the other day, Cheryl was even praying for a lady over the telephone. And the woman had a splitting migraine headache. Cheryl rebuked the devil and everything, and got the woman healed and hung up the telephone. And that thing came on her. They just had to rebuke that devil and drive that out of her. She hadn't had a headache in a long time. But that devil come right through that telephone and attacked her right after she prayed and got that devil kicked out and got that woman set free. That beast attacked her. It didn't take her long to figure out what was going on. So she grabbed that demon by the nap of the neck with the Word of God and throwed him out. And he went away. You know, I don't know about you, but I want women of faith praying for me. If I walk up to you and say, you ever got anybody healed? Well, if it's God's will, you know He can heal somebody. Oh, okay, that's the way you believe? Yes, that's the way I believe. Okay, next, let me go over here and fast find somebody else. I don't want that woman praying for me. Do you, young lady? No. You want somebody that says, do you believe God heals? Oh, I know He heals. The only reason you're not healed is because I ain't prayed for you. That's the reason you're not healed. Now, isn't it something that when we have that kind of faith, this is the kind of faith that Timothy was raised up in. His mother and his grandmother had this bold, violent faith. And then Paul, he laid his hands on him. He says, and this is why I remind you to fan in the flames the spiritual gifts. Hey, how many spiritual gifts are there? There's nine. How many of those would you like to have? Ooh, me too. I want all nine of them. I ain't satisfied with one. I want them all. Lord, I mean, let me get, I mean, let me get a bottle of pure oxygen. Let me put a little bit of spark down there and then let's turn that pure oxygen on. I want that baby to be flamed into a roaring inferno. 
I want my gifts to be on fire. I want, when I pray for somebody, I want to see results, don't you? I don't care when I, I mean, that's just like that little boy here a while back. That's grandmother and grandfather called me and said, we got a little boy. He, ten years old or whatever, my son or daughter, whichever one it was, had ran off and they'd left the boy and they didn't want him. And now that here's this 70 year old grandmother and grandfather, uh, they, you know, 65 years old, whatever they were, well, they can't control a ten year old kid. They don't know how to do it. The kid had no rank, no training of no kind. They said, somebody told us to contact your ministry. I said, the boy's sick. They said, no, sir, he's not sick. I said, oh, yeah, he's sick. You just don't know what kind of sickness he's got. I said, today's Thursday. I got a healing school Saturday. I said, bring him. They brought him to the healing school. Four hours later, after the healing school's over, the mother and grandmother and grandfather came up and said, uh, we're the people that called you about the 10-year-old boy. And uh, I said, where is he? They said, oh, he's back there running around somewhere. I said, call him. They called this 10-year-old boy. He came up here, stood right here in front of me, and I knelt down in front of him. So I was the same height he was. And I said, son, how would you like to make Jesus Lord of your life? He said, I'm not interested. I said, you don't believe in Jesus? Nope. You wouldn't like to make Jesus Lord of your life? Nope. I reached up and grabbed him by the nap of the neck, and I said, you devil of hell, that's blinding his mind. Come out of him. Stop blinding his mind to the Word of God. Now then, does the Scripture say, who's blinding the mind of us? The devil. It's written in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 3 and 4. For any lost on this earth, they're lost because the God of this world has blinded their mind to the Word of God. And Luke 10, 19 and 20 says, all power has been given to you and me over the devil. And the devil has to be subject to us in the name of Jesus. I said, we don't believe that. And I reached up and just grabbed his little shirt and said, You devil of hell, come out of him in the name of Jesus. I said, Now, Father, convict this boy of sin and draw him into the kingdom right now in Jesus' name. I said, Thank you, Lord. It's done. I said, Now, son, how would you like to make Jesus Lord of your life? He said, I'd love it. Just that quick. Total change. Led the little boy to Jesus. Totally changed his life. The next week, grandmother and granddaddy called me and said, He's a totally different boy. Hey, he become a new creature standing right here when I exercise the power that God gave you and me over the devil. Isn't that amazing? The power he's given us as a church over the devil. All power is given to us. Now these gifts, these spiritual gifts, flame, I mean, fan these things into roaring flames. Don't have just a little bitty smoldering, little bitty fire over there like you've got a bunch of wet leaves. I mean, fan this thing in like you've got a stack of dry leaves. I mean, that really burn. I want this flame in my life. I want it to be a roaring fire, don't you? I want this fire. I want when somebody walks in, they say, Who is the most spiritual person you ever met in your life? I want to say, That man right there. Or that one right there. Or that woman right there. That's the most spiritual person I ever met. When they speak, Jesus shows up. That's the way every one of us should be in the church. If we're not seeing any miracles or healings or anything else, you know, just like Dave and I, we make a great team as we fly around the country. We meet people at these airports and we talk to people and we never miss an opportunity to talk to them about Jesus. And when we talk to them, Many times, just like the other afternoon, we got in over to the airport, the man and the woman down there, 
I said something to them. I said, you all need to get your airplane out? No, we just come in, so we're okay. Your car's not in the way. I talked. We put ours up, and then I walked over, and I said, by the way, how are you all doing today? Well, they're doing okay. So me and Dave's talking to them, and I said, by the way, let me ask you a question. Are you all Christians? And she kind of hesitated and said, yes. And he said, well, why? I said, if you've got to ask why, you don't know Jesus. <laughs> well, you know, you know, but you know, everybody's got their own ideas about God. I said, oh, no, 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 no. I said, God is real. Well, yeah, but how can you prove that? I said, real easy. This guy right here, number one. I said, this guy had a lifelong incurable disease. Couldn't be healed. Been to the finest doctors. I said, I met him, told him what to do, and I said, God healed him. They said, that's it. That happened to me. Now then, what are you going to do? I said, you know, now then, this is the way you do it. You say, now then, let me explain to you why the devil has blinded your man. Because he wants to take you into a godless hell, and he wants you to not believe these mighty promises. But I said, Jesus has sent me and Dave by today with a demonstration of the Spirit's power to tell you how much God loves you. And He wants to save you. And He wants your life to be changed. And He wants you in church. Now, when they go away, after you've showed them and had a demonstration of the Spirit's power with a man that's been miraculously healed, and he's standing there, when they go away, now then we're going to send the Holy Ghost with them to convict them of sin and to convict them that what we told them was the truth and to bring them into the kingdom of God and change their life. See, that's the whole thing. And boy, I don't care where we go. I don't care where we go. I don't care what airport we land in. If we go in to get a Coke, when we walk in, the first thing we want to do, we talk to a young man down in Palestine. I said, son, are you a Christian? Oh, yeah. And he goes to church. Praise God. Everybody we run into, we talk to them about Jesus. We want to know, do you know the king? After all, what did the Lord tell us to do? Go into all the world and preach the good news of Jesus Christ. Is that what we're supposed to do? Absolutely. If you're not doing that, as a Christian, you're disobedient to the king. So you need to start doing it. But to fan these spiritual gifts, I mean, fan them with the Word of God. I mean, bring these things into a roaring inferno where that as you go and you speak in the name of Jesus, those spiritual gifts will show up. You know, get those words of knowledge. You know how wonderful it was to me that day sitting there on the front row in that little Baptist church and God give me a word of knowledge about a girl? Three times. And did you know that before it was all over, we got that girl healed? You know, we got that girl healed in a Baptist church. You know, God has to go to great lengths to get some of us healed in some places. You know, He really has to work at it. You know, instead of us just receiving the promises and acting on the Word and repenting of our sins and believing Him, some of us, He really has to go to great lengths to get us to receive what's already been done for us. After all, it only took me 40 plus years to get a hold of it. You know, so, I mean, just remain faithful. There's hope for you. You know, if it took me 40 something years to get there, there's hope for you. Only I hope it don't take you 40 years like it did me. You know, I don't want you to have to go there. Now then, he says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear. Now this spirit of fear, I mean, if you tell me you got a spirit of fear, or if you tell me you got fear about something, that didn't come from God. It come from the God of this world. Now, I don't care what it is that if you have fear. If you have fear, if you people say, oh, I couldn't go in a closet and close the door. If you can't go in a closet and close the door, you got a spirit of fear. 
Somebody said, there ain't no way you can put me in the trunk of that car and close the lid down on that thing. I'd carry the whole car up. You got a spirit of fear. Somebody said, no, it's claustrophobia. No, it's a demon. It's a spirit of fear. I mean, you know, there should be no pro- You should be able to go into a closet. You should be able to go outside at night. You know, you should be able to crawl into the trunk of a car and somebody close that. And you should have no fear whatsoever in your heart. None. If you're really trusting God, you have no fear about nothing. Some people say, I'm in such fear, I can't, I'm just shaking when I go to the grocery store. I'm afraid I'm going to get run over by a truck. Hey, that spirit that you got didn't come from God. It's from the devil. You don't believe the Word. The Word says He sends His angels and gives them charge over you. Just like we were sitting there. They, yesterday, we was doing some things with the autopilot on the airplane. And you know, it's got a bunch of preset stuff, and I, I'm not up on all that stuff yet. I'm trying to learn it. So, we're flying along there 200 miles an hour. And, and Dave, you know, he's just learning to get in here. Of course, I've been flying a long time. And I reach over and hit some presets and I hit some stuff and push the wrong buttons and all of a sudden the airplane's going up 2,000 feet a minute, you know. And so I hit another button and it goes down 2,000 feet a minute. And so Dave's over and said, Thurman, do something, do something. I said, well, Dave, I've tried to learn how this thing works. He said, well, cut it off. (laughs) Cut it off. I told him I'm going to have to kick that devil of fear out of you, Dave. I told him on the way home last night, we was flying the little 150 back from Decatur, and I said, let me show you how a stall works. He said, that's okay. <laughs> I don't want to see it. <laughs> I said, but I'm going to show you. I said, Dave, here's where we got to go. Of course, I'm kidding, but really we're learning. I said, I'm going to show you how simple a stall is. And this, this week I'm going to do some. I'm going to do it as gently as possible because I don't want to scare him. I want him to get rid of that spirit of fear. He says, it's the thought about falling. I said, see, when you and I walk totally, completely in trust with God, we have to realize that if something happens and the airplane starts down or whatever, if we're falling, we got to realize that, Lord, I have no fear. You promised to send your angels that they would pick me up so I wouldn't even dash my foot against a stone. So, Lord, if I'm walking in obedience to your word, and something happened and the door blows off that airplane and I get blowed out, if I'm walking in total faith and obedience to your word, somehow you're going to stop my fall before I get to the ground. I ain't going to get hurt. Now, somebody said, no, I can't go there. Well, let me tell you. I don't know if you remember a few years ago, but how many of you remember over in the uh, Canary Islands, I believe it was, two 747s ran together on the runway. Anybody remember that? Some of you do. It was a tremendous fog. Tremendous fog and two 747s with three, four hundred people on each one. And one of them thought he was cleared to one end of the runway and the other one was cleared to the other end. And one of them was cleared for takeoff and he pulled out and the other one thought it was him. And he pulled out and now these two 747s are ripping down the runway toward each other on a 10,000 foot runway. This really happened, folks. One of the men that was in one of those airplanes, that morning his mother prayed a prayer of faith for him around Psalms 91. And said, no evil will befall you on this trip. 
As far as I know, he was the only one that prayer was prayed over. This airplane he was in had just barely rotated the nose. The other one was already airborne, and it, they hit just like this. The one that was airborne, it ripped the whole bottom off, and the airplane went over and exploded, and everybody on it was killed. But the other one ripped the top off as it went by. And, of course, the fuel and everything out of the one came through the inside. And he said, I saw in front of me an inferno of flames coming. He said, I immediately began to scream, Psalms 91. He said, I smelt flesh burning and everything all around me. He said, the airplanes come back down on the runway and skidded to a halt up there. And he said, I told the woman beside me, I said, ma'am, get out of the way. Let's get off. The whole top of the airplanes tore off. But it's eight or nine feet straight up to the top of this big 747. He said, I hit the woman. I said, woman, move. He said, when I hit that woman, she had been cut in two right in the middle. And her body fell off into the floor. He said, I ain't got a scratch. Now then, this man was about 50 or 60 years old. And let me tell you, if you've got a cabin above you that's at least seven or eight feet, and it's got a hole up there, you can't jump out that from the ground. But he said, I said, I got to get out of here. And he said, I jumped. And when I did, I went all the way up on top of the airplane, slid down on the wing, and ran out to the end. And the wingtip of a 747 is 30 feet above the ground. He jumped onto the grass from 30 feet to where it was sitting. The wingtip was 30 feet in the air. And he jumped all the way to the ground, hit on the grass, and never scratched himself, never sprang a bone or nothing, and walked off totally free. And when he was questioned, he said, I, my mother had prayed over me that morning before I left, Psalms 91. And he said, when I saw that ball of fire, I began to scream, Psalms 91, no evil shall befall me. You will send your angels and give them charge over me and protect me. I will not be harmed. When he screamed that, what did God do? He sent his angels. He confirmed his word. And that man, I have seen that man on the 700 Club personally, myself, watched him give that testimony of how awesome that was. Now then, what if he had got into fear like most people? <laughs> I'm fixing to die. Guess what? It would have been over. He'd have died with the rest of them. Where are we with these spiritual gifts? Where are we living as Christians? We're not living in the Word. We don't believe the Word. When you get to where you believe the Word, it makes no difference what happens to you. You can overcome anything in the name of Jesus if you believe God's Word. Amen. It's there. The promises are there, aren't they, Keith? Yes, sir. They're there. You can do it. I mean, Keith was telling me a while ago about a time when he was driving a dozer. And he said he was driving a bulldozer out on a construction site, and he did something that run over something that had a big bunch of bees in it. He said these bees just swarmed onto that dozer. He didn't cut the dozer off. He didn't do nothing but bail off of that thing and go running. He left the bulldozer running. I told him, at least you should have cut it off. He said, I wasn't thinking about nothing but my protection. But see, back in those days, he didn't know his power with the Word. You didn't know that, did you, Keith? You're living just a normal man life. That's where most of us live all of our life. See, when you get a hold of what you can do and the dominion and power and authority you have in the name of Jesus, you can call on the king with his word. And he'll show up for you, won't he? Amen. Amen. But if you don't know it, then he won't show up. 
Isn't that awesome to think of what we have available to us as sons of God, daughters of God, if we just know these promises and stand on them. Because look how it's changed my life. Look how many times I was sick and afflicted, how many times I was down in my back. And I know that's why I have a special, I know that's why God's given me a special anointing for backs. I had so much back trouble. That devil beat up on me so much. And then when I finally got a hold of that, I took by force what belonged to me. I kicked that devil out of me. And I don't have back trouble no more. Praise the King. I mean, but I know the promises of God. And so when the devil tries to put a back pain on me, no, I will not let you do this to me in the name of Jesus. And I don't have to put up with it no more. So, Fan these spiritual gifts into a raging inferno in your life. With a word, call God in remembrance. Have people that are men and women of faith lay hands on you. Don't get anybody to lay hands on you. Be careful who you let lay hands on you. Somebody comes up and says, can I pray for you? So what kind of anointing are you walking in? What? You get anybody healed lately? Do you believe God's a healer? Well, if it's His will, forget it. You go, no, I don't want you praying for me. Be careful who you let lay hands on you. You might get the wrong kind of spirit. There's a lot of wrong ones out there. Now then, if somebody's walking in God's anointing, you know they're walking in obedience to His Word. You know they're going to church. You know they're doing all those things. They know they're obedient. And you know they're walking in faith. Then you can have them lay hands on you and pray for you. And then you can expect something to happen. But if they're not, don't you let them lay hands on you and pray for you. You be very careful who you let touch you and pray for you. Ask them. Don't hesitate. Somebody says, can I pray for you? Well, what do you want to pray for me for? You know, what, why has God convicted you or convinced you you need to pray for me for something? Well, I just want to pray for you. Well, what for? Because they might pray the wrong thing. I had a Pentecostal preacher one time ask me to pray the prayer of agreement for him that his wife would leave him so he could marry another woman in the church. You think that was God? No, that's not God. So you have to be careful who you pray with and what you pray for. Even if we're preachers, you need to be careful who you let pray for you. Because there's a lot of preachers that don't walk in God's anointing. They don't have any of these fire, these spiritual gifts flamed into fire. But if you find one that does, then you can let him pray for you. Then he says, he says, For God has not given us the spirit of fear and timidity, but of power and love and of self-discipline. God has given you and me the spirit of power. So, see, power is a spirit. Everything is a spirit. The spirit is what controls your life. If God gives you that spirit of power, that spirit of love, and that spirit of self-discipline, if He's given you that, and He has, then those are the things you need to be calling God into remembrance that He's done. You need to be flaming, uh, or you need to be fanning those things into flames. Lord, I have the spirit of power. I have the spirit of love. I have the spirit of self-discipline. Lord, I can discipline myself. I can make this body do anything I want it to do in the name of Jesus. 
I walk outside today, and if it's hot, I ain't going to walk out and say, Oh, my lens, it's 85 degrees out there. I'm burning up. Let me get out of this sun. You say, No, buddy, you work for me. In the name of Jesus, you will not be hot. Or you go out there and it's cold. You'll say, You will not be cold. Somebody says, I don't believe you can do that. Well, then I guarantee it won't work for you. You've got to believe what God's Word says. You've got to fan these flames. You've got to take these spirits, this gift of power and love and self-discipline. You have to discipline this body to make it do what you want it to do. I mean, you know what this thing wants to do? This beast wants to be lazy. This beast wants to satisfy itself. It wants to do a whole lot of things that the spirit don't want to do. It wants to overeat. No, it would never do anything like that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Ty's laughing up here. Me and him went out one day and ate a great big steak. We had a great big meal. We'd eat everything in the world. And I thought, I didn't see in the world how in the world he eat as much as he did. I mean, he really, really eat some, uh, some serious steak that night. And we go down the road and he says, you know, we pass the store and he's got ice cream. He said, you know, we need to go in there and get an ice cream. I said, no, I'm so full now about the bus. He said, we've got to have an ice cream. So we go into the store, and there ain't no ice cream in the store. So he comes back and said, see, God's trying to tell you, you need to discipline yourself. He said, I ain't giving up. We go down to the store until we find another one that does have ice cream. <laughs> that day, he's not listening to the Spirit at all. He's listening to that piece of flesh, and that piece of flesh likes ice cream. How many times do we all do that? Sure. You know, you can bring in the ice cream. The other night, Yesha and Dave had been shopping, and they came in, and I was not hungry at all. And they brought in a great big bucket of ice cream, and I had three dips of ice cream. I wasn't a bit hungry for it, but I didn't discipline my body. I just yielded to the beast. Now, I know some of you all do that too once in a while, right? Well, it'll, it, it, you have to discipline this thing. You have to bring it into subjection. Because if you don't, it will take control of your life. It will overdo lots of things. It will sleep in when, you, when it needs to be up working. You know, it will overeat when it needs not be eating. You know, it will do all kinds of things. You know, you know, when you ought to be out working, producing fruit for the kingdom, it will say, oh, but it's so nice in here under the air conditioner or under the heater today. And, you know, it's, you know, you need to watch your favorite television show today. Remember. And you'll, you'll lose. You know, you'll lose. You have to discipline this thing. But God has given us that spirit of self-discipline. And then he says in the next verse, so you must never be ashamed to tell others about our Lord. Now, how many of you were like I was for years and years of my life? I was a Baptist deacon, a Sunday school teacher, and I would never talk to anybody about Jesus. Have any of you got that same problem that I had? You, you, you just don't feel comfortable by talking to people about Jesus. So I decided one day I found out that one of the Baptist churches in Denton was having a course on how to win people to Jesus. I thought, well, I never won nobody to Jesus, so I'll go to that. So I went up there by myself. I went every evening for a week. And 
they would show us from the Word how we're supposed to do this. And then the, whoever the guy you're sitting next to, guy or gal, say, I'm sitting here, he's sitting here, said, now then you turn around to the guy beside you. He said, is everybody in here born again Christian? Everybody's a born again Christian, so we're all on level ground. He said, okay, you tell him how to, you, what, the best way you can after two or three days. You talk to him, see if you can lead him to Jesus. And I felt uncomfortable trying to win my brother to Jesus that already knew Jesus. You know, and then he's trying to do the same thing to me. And when I get through, I said, do you feel uncomfortable? He said, I'm so scared I don't know what I'm doing. I thought, isn't this a shame? Here we are, Christians. We can't even lead each other to Jesus. And we both already know Him. I mean, that's where I was. And so, after a week, after a week, they gave us a little yellow and black striped button to put on our shirt. I said, what's that for? I said, now, you, this week, you've been through a week of training. Now, then, you've, every night you've been here, you take this little button, put it on your jacket, and then you just go throughout your normal day. And when somebody comes up and says, what's that little button for? It's a strange-looking little critter. That's to remind me to tell you about the best thing that ever happened to me. Oh, well, what was it? Jesus, the day I got saved. And then you've got to use what you've learned here this week about how to win somebody to Jesus. So I am working at Braniff as an engineering instructor, and I have 25 engineers in my class. And the first day, Monday morning, when I put that on, and I walked into that class, I walked down the hall thinking, Oh, God, please don't let nobody ask me about this button. I mean, I'm in, I'm in sheer terror. I don't know nothing about the Word of God. I'm a Baptist deacon and a Sunday school teacher. And ain't never led nobody to Jesus. I am in agony and pain. I walk into the work that morning. I go into that place and I'm thinking, Oh, God, please, you know, please, Lord, nobody see this thing. Then I get in that classroom. Well, I, you know, I, when I got 25 engineers in here and I'm teaching them all about these airplanes. And I'm standing up that first morning. I am so uncomfortable. I can't remember what I'm supposed to teach because I'm afraid somebody's going to say, what's that button for? But nobody did. I made it through all day. When I walked out that afternoon, I said, oh, Lord, thank you, Lord. Thank you that I made it through a day. It wasn't quite so tough the second day. And the third day, and the fourth day, and the fifth, by the fifth day, I just got it on, go to work. Nobody's asked me about this stupid little button. So I finished the whole day, end of the course, Friday afternoon, about 3 o'clock, all these engineers and pilots in there. And I said, now then, before we take the final test, is there any questions? <laughs> A guy sitting there, and he holds his hand. I said, yes, sir, what's your question? He said, you know, all week I've been seeing that little yellow and black button. Oh, Lord. Right in the middle of 25 guys. He couldn't do it out in the hallway by himself. With a microphone. Yeah, with a microphone. What does that button mean? And I said, that's to remind me to tell you about the best thing that ever happened to me. He said, well, what was it? I said, today I met Jesus as my Lord and Savior. That's the best thing ever happened to me. I said, has that ever happened to you? No, it hasn't. And I think, oh Lord, what do I do now? <laughs> I'm in pain. Some of you all think, oh, you've always been able to do that. You have no idea the training God's put me through the places He's put me to get to where I talk to people about Jesus. So in my... Here I am, the guy that knows all this stuff about these airplanes. Not a problem. I can throw it out there and teach them. 
But now then I'm stuttering. I'm stammering. I'm trying to tell this class about Jesus. I'm standing up there. I'm the most uncomfortable human being in the world. And when I finally got through, I said, would you like to make Jesus your Lord and Savior? He said, well, not yet. But you give me something to think about. And so I said, okay. Any other questions? And nobody had any. So I said, okay, we take the test. After the test was over, as the guys got through, they'd come up and say, hey, it's great to know you're a Christian. I'm a Christian too. That changed the whole perspective of that class. Those guys began to talk about Jesus. We never talked about Jesus, but we began to talk about Jesus. And it broke the ice for me to begin to talk to people about the Lord. And through all of that training, way back there in the 60s, slowly God was bringing me to a place where I could talk to people in the workplace about Jesus. And now then, now then, I can meet this criteria. So you must never be ashamed to tell others about our Lord. Hey, I mean, it's the best thing ever happened to me, isn't it you? Amen. Now then, why was it I was so in terror about that? Why could I sit up there and talk to these guys and throw formulas out there and write formulas on the board and, and write problems up there? And I mean, I was, I mean, I was bold with that stuff. Why? Because I knew what I was doing. I understood my subject. I knew my airplanes. I knew engineering. But I didn't know my Jesus very well. But many years later, I know him pretty well. And I know who he is. And I know how much he loves us. And I know this mighty God that wants to do all these things for us. All we got to do is do something in faith. After we get our sins repented of. And then we get to see God do the great and awesome things that only he can do. And he glorifies himself through his son, Jesus. And he does it by faith through you. By faith. And it's when you must never be ashamed to tell others about our Lord and Jesus. And don't be ashamed of me either. Even though I'm a prisoner for Christ. Paul was in prison. With the strength God gives you, be ready to suffer with me for the proclamation of the good news. How many of you are willing to go to Jesus? Go to prison for Jesus? You think, well, I am. Well... It would be kind of like that story I heard here a while back. It was a huge church. Several hundred people there. And about five or six men walked in with hoods on and big rifles in their arms. And they walked in and walked right up and said, Now then, we're going to give everybody here one chance. If you're really a Christian and really know Jesus, and you're really willing to trust Him with your life, you stay. But if you don't, we're going to give you one chance to get out. And then we're going to kill all those that stay. Everybody left but about a dozen people. The pastor stayed. And about a dozen people, out of all those people, when everybody got out, they took their hoods off. And they said, okay, we're Christians too. Now you can preach to us. <laughs> now those dozen that stayed... Let me tell you, don't you know what it might have made the rest of them feel like? Right there, we find it. Well, well, if I'd have been in Peter's shape, I wouldn't have denied the Lord three times. Oh, yeah. 
Oh, yeah? Don't never make those kind of declarations because you don't know what you're going to do until you're put to the test. So, you know, be prepared because we don't know what today or tomorrow holds. You know, what would you do? In other words, just like that man that Dave and I shared with when I said, are you two, him and his wife, I said, are you two Christians? And she very readily said, yes, but he backed off. Well, why do you want to know? Say, if I have to ask why, there's something wrong, right? You should know I'm a Christian because my works and my demonstrations should act out my words that come out of my mouth. And if I've met you and been talking to you more than a minute or two or three, I should have by this time asked you, are you a Christian? Do you go to church? We should know that, shouldn't we? Now, are we supposed to be ashamed of our Lord? Absolutely not. Are we supposed to be willing to suffer persecution for our Lord? Yes. Are we willing to do that? Are we willing to put Him first? Then he says, It is God who saved us and chose us to live a holy life. Now, He chose every one of us and He chose us to live a holy life. He did this not because we deserved it. Let me tell you, there's not any of us deserve it, are they? Not one single one of us deserve what He gave us. But it says, but because that was His plan long before the world began to show His love and kindness to us through Jesus Christ. Now then, when it comes to the point, I was asked a question today about predestination. I think that people misunderstand predestination. I know that I've tried to look at it in lots of lights, but this is the way I understand predestination. It was predestined before the world began that all would serve Jesus. All. It was also predestined that when Jesus came to this world and died for us, that all should be saved. But are all going to be saved? Why are they not going to be saved? Because God went one step further and gave them a choice, didn't He, Tom? He gave us a choice. He said, Tom, you can. Ser- I really want you to serve me and love me so you can go to heaven. And I prov- provided and paid for that free so you can have it. But I'm going to give you a free choice, my son. Do you want to come with me or you want to go with the world? And the devil's over there saying, but Tom, come on over here. You need to stay over. Think how much fun you and me can have over here in the world. And he'll entice you with the things of the world. Just like he did tie you. Entice himself. The devil had enticed him with the things of the world. And he was going the wrong direction. Was he God's son? Yes. He was going to church. But he had made his work and everything and his ranch his God, his idol. And the Lord had had it. Either you change or I take you out. Wow. He gave us a choice, didn't he? He gave us a choice. Now, today, he's predestined the whole world come to him and know him and love him and serve him. But they're not going to do it. Because he went to a step further and said, I don't want robots. I want you to love me because you want to love me. I want you to come home to me because you love me. I'm giving you that choice. If you love me, you will serve me. But if you don't, then I give you the privilege to go and live with the devil if you want to. It is your choice. Well, you wouldn't think anybody in their right mind would take that wrong choice. 
But there's multitudes of them every day that's making the wrong choice. It's like I had a, a woman this last week, a young woman, 20s. She has a serious disease in her body. And it's a venereal disease. It's in her sexual organs. And she is burning with fire in her body. And she said, no doctor can touch this. I've been to the best. But she said, somebody gave me one of your teachings. And I listened to them. And she said, now I know why I have this problem. She said, I have sinned sexually every way you can sin. And she said, I know now why I'm where I am. Now then, thank goodness for today on this side of the cross, when that woman is prayed for by faith and she's repented of her sins, can she be forgiven? Yes. When she's prayed for by someone in faith, will she be healed? Yes. Many of you here have already received those kinds of healings. You know that you don't have to take an incurable disease for years. And even some of you were born with your incurable disease. But if you stand your ground and fight the fight of faith, you can get well. You will get well. You can be delivered. Thank goodness for this side of the cross. What a God we serve. So let's don't be ashamed of Him. Let's live that holy life. And let's walk with God. Now then, if we walk that holy life with Him, we don't have to be sick. Isn't that a wonderful thing to know? That He bore our sickness and removed our disease. Matthew eight seventeen. So we don't have to have it. All we've got to do is walk holy and obedience to His Word. And then stay in the Word. Now then, if you're not spending time with God in His Word on a regular basis, in fact, you know, this week, looking for this little message that I spoke here in the last few minutes, I spent hours and hours and hours reading and studying God's Word. I just, I mean, even last night, Cheryl finally, I mean, she went out and sang at a party last night, and I stayed home and studied. And when she came in at 1 o'clock, she said, well, I said, I'm not quite there, but I'm nearly so by 2 or 3 o'clock this morning, I had it together, what I was going to do. And obviously, it was got what God wanted me to have, because He didn't change it when I got here. <laughs> you know, He's done that a few times, too. You know, but uh, uh, just like last Sunday it was, Cheryl said, when I spoke on what I spoke on last Sunday, she thought, wonder what He's teaching on that for, until she was up here with me, and nearly everybody come up and said, that was this part or that part or that part was exactly the message I needed to hear. She said, wow, now I know where you spoke on that. Well, see, God's in control, right? He knows exactly what you need to hear. Now, some of you might not have got anything out of it, but some of you got something. So, the thing about it is, this week, as we go out, don't be ashamed of the King. Go out and tell people about Jesus. Let your life be so holy that they'll look at you and say, wow, look at that woman. Look at that man. They never tell any dirty jokes. They never tell any lies. They're always talking about Jesus. And they're so holy. Hey, that's the way we're supposed to be as children of the King. Our lives should so glorify our Lord that everybody should say, somebody said, is there any Christians on this job site? They would say, there's one right there. Everybody out there said, oh, look at him. He's one. Or is there any good doctors around? There's one. This guy prays over everything. 
You know, that's the way we should be known. Wow. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank You for this beautiful day. We thank You, Lord, for Your Word. We thank You for Your Holy Spirit. We thank You for these spiritual gifts. We thank You, Lord, for fanning these things into flames so we can use these spiritual gifts. We thank You, Lord, for this great faith that some of our parents have had. And, Lord, let us as parents and grandparents, let us have the great faith to pass it on to our children. Lord, take Your Word and let us go out this week and not be ashamed to talk to people about Jesus. To win them into the kingdom. And Lord, if we don't know how to do it, then teach us by the Holy Ghost that we'll know how to do this. And Lord, I thank you and praise you for your word. Now, Lord, as we go through the rest of this day, use us for your glory. As people need to be prayed for, for whatever their need is, Lord, as you bring them up here, we ask you, Lord, to empower us with the Holy Spirit so we'll know how to pray so that you'll be able to touch everyone to meet whatever needs they have, whether it be... Uh, healing, deliverance, or finances, or whatever it is that they may need, we might have the ability to pray the prayer of faith for them. Salvation, anything. And we praise you and thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.